Kawhi alone inside. He's got the breakaway with the touch to the right. Go! Official podcast of your Minneapolis City Soccer Club, brought to you by Summit Brewing Company. Murder bus, murder bus, murder bus. Hello again, City fans. This is the People's Pitch Podcast, <laughs> the official podcast of your Minneapolis City Soccer Club. I'm your host, John, and that is the beautiful stick of dynamite that is Mr. Nathan Morales. Nate, we got ourselves our first league victory. Do we have that? Do you have that feeling like a little lightning hit the uh, bolt hit the tip of your penis? Well, I mean, it feels good to start winning again. Uh, I don't know what that feels like. <laughs> I've, I've never been struck by lightning, John. No, Much less little, in a very inappropriate place. Just a little tingle. <laughs> <laughs> you know, something to something to get the the blood flowing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm feeling it. <laughs> okay, good. So I think I feel something. As long as you feel something, that's good. <laughs> if not, you might want to see a doctor. <laughs> so, with the season off and running, we've got some solid analysis coming your way today, soccer fans. The naughty nurses from Med City came to town and we sent them packing. Our recap of the game runs deep, so be prepared. Uh, we were supposed to play the Twin Stars Wednesday night. A lot of people are wondering what happened, and we will be here to tell you what we know. And Saturday is another big match with another top contender in our division coming to town. We will preview our upcoming game against the Dakota Fancy Bus. Nate, (laughs) how about we get after it and make some dreams come true? What do you think? Yeah, yeah, man. So, John, we got to be a part of um, Minneapolis City history once again as we broke in our new home stadium in Osseo on Saturday. Did you get a whiff of that new stadium smell? I did, and it smelled like some sweet three points is what it smelled like. (laughs) Uh, But it marks only the second time in city history where we won our home opener um, with the first being against the Croatians in our first season. So uh, it was a good feeling, really good feeling. Absolutely. So starting lineup for Minneapolis City, if you weren't glued to Twitter or if you didn't come to the game, uh, in goal again, we had James Nair, uh, Mark Haight on uh, on the left side of the defensive line, AO next to him as a center back, which is an interesting choice. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, Max Kent and Chuck, Charlie Adams, rounding out the back line on the right back. Uh, and then we had two uh, deeper deeper set midfielders in Martin Brown Jr. and Max Stegwart with his return to Minneapolis City. Ben Wexler at the 10. And then you had Whitney, uh, Goose, and Brandon McGarity. Whitney and Goose on the wings, McGarity up top. Uh, it was a very, very exciting, very exciting lineup. On the bench, Matt Elder, Trey Benhart, Nick Hutton, Will Kidd, uh, U23 call-up Matt Murakami, Miles Norville, and Timmy Wills. Uh, it's good to have a few more options out there today, out there that that day, John. Yeah, Nate, it was good. It showed that perhaps a different result would have come home with us from South Dakota if we would have had a few of these pieces of the puzzle um, available, like we did in our home opener. 
Uh, but it is what it is. Um, and it was also, like you mentioned, it was good to see another U23 player putting in the work during the week and then getting a, a call up and actually, you know, seeing minutes again. So yeah. Yeah. very valuable for, uh, for, for those U23 ers listening that you, you put the work in and you get rewarded. Work, work, work. Uh, so Med City <laughs> lined up in their vaunted new three-five-two, which caused us problems early. Uh, the idea, of course, is to use the athleticism of their wingbacks to overload that attacking third and punish us anytime that our own fullbacks were caught out of place. And caught out of place they were. Uh, seven minutes into the game, really, really quickly, Charlie Adams was caught too far forward, and um, Midat Mujic... Uh, Mid-hat, Mujic, dribbles down, dribbled down the line uh, with only Goose to beat. And defense is not Goose's strong suit. And Mujic got off an easy cross that found the new Med City striker, Claudio Repetto, for an early goal. It was a little disheartening and a little scary. Well, first off, how well can that guy, Repetto, strike a ball? Yeah. I mean, he didn't, he didn't hit the target a lot, but man, can that guy put his laces through <laughs> through a soccer ball? Um, I You know, I think your analysis is pretty correct that... You know, Charlie got a little too far forward, and I think basically the breakdown came from the fact that we lost the ball in the center of the field in a bad spot. Yep. And that is something that has plagued us uh, often, too often, actually, um, you know, whether it was last season or, you know, some of the tune-ups we had coming into this year. But, again, you know, you you don't want to shoulder the the whole responsibility on Charlie because he was just trying to to step into some space. And, uh, and and, you know, uh, Mito Mujic just got around him, and and like you said, Goose had a track back. But I, I actually, you know, when I, I watched the game again, and then um, actually, you know, I, I watched the uh, the breakdown of um, the you know what Adam kind of broke some stuff down and, and kind of drew up some some situational things that we wanted to look at um, regarding the match. And, and one of the things I saw was the the only reason why Repetto got available. Um, you know, back behind our, our center backs was because of, of kind of two things. One was the fact that um, on the opposite side of the field, uh, Whitney had not tracked back and Mark Haight was then caught in between guarding two guys. And obviously you want him to take the guy that's closest to the goal, but he, you know, he, it was, it's kind of a bang, bang play that happened so fast. So that was kind of one A and one B was something I talked with Max Kent about was that if you if you go back and look at the highlights he's tracking back to goal with his with his his chest facing the net and he, what he really needs to be doing is opening his body up and and backpedaling at that point so that he can see what's in front of him if he if he did that then he was would have been able to to be able to to judge the cross coming in and then be able to clear it out so it was kind of like a, a comedy of errors um, kind of all thrown into one uh, that that kind of materialized from a slow start that we had and then their ability to attack from the wings. Yeah, and just four minutes later, at 11 minutes, the medics almost got another one when Repetto was one-on-one with James, and he put in a good challenge and deflected his shot, but like you said, um, Repetto's got, can really, you know, put the laces through the thing, so it was it was good to see that, you know, that was a definitely terrifying moment, another one that James was able to deflect. But minutes later, another near nightmare as James came out a little too far for a challenge, and he straight up missed the dude. But yeah, he, totally missed. Uh, but he was saved by probably the worst cross I've ever seen, which I... <laughs> And I think there's definitely some FIFA syndrome there. Like the dude had too many options, and he just short circuited. Like, do you ever are you ever just one on one in FIFA on a fast break, and you're like, uh, finesse shot, low shot, too, uh, too many, uh, too much, and you just sky the damn thing. 
Yeah, or or you're just like completely, or you hit pass instead of shoot. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I I have seen it happen many times, but I think it was kind of a case of um, the run that the attacker made was like a 35 yard run. Like the guy came real deep um, to 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 go get the ball, and I think he just kind of ran out of gas once it got to his feet, and it just things didn't compute with what he wanted to do. Uh, but it could have been a very <laughs> Did very not scary. Compute. Yeah, it could have been a very scary situation for us. If we would have gone down 2-0 at that point, within their formation, I, I know for a fact that they probably would have adjusted to, to defend the lead more and go away from that three-back line, yeah. and we could have been in some real big trouble. Yeah. So in the early part of the game, uh, after a little bit of luck, our entire offense seemed to go through Whitney, and we'll come back to that in a bit, but that resulted in, um, you know, going through Whitney resulted in a few missed shots from Goose, but in the end, it was Brandon McGarity who nodded us up at in the 25th minute. Uh, he gets a goal off the Charlie Adams throw-in. Like, I had forgotten that Charlie was so good at uh, at throwing in that ball. He doesn't quite have the long throw that you expect, but he put the ball right into Brandon McGarity's chest, who was able to uh, control it, turn, and fire, and in it went. Couldn't believe it. Well, I think the the turn is was is the key point there. Like yep. he was able to wheel his defender to a point where, I mean, he, he didn't necessarily tuck it home very clean. The the goalie got his hand. I he hit it right at the goalie, but he hit it so goddamn hard that from a close range that as long as it was on frame, it was definitely going in. Yeah, and at thirty nine, another at 30, 39th minute, another goal in almost the exact same way with the Charlie Adams throw in right to Brandon McGarity. He does the same thing where he turns around, but it's uh, he just misses, just misses. Um, that would have been truly amazing. And it looks like we've got a new, uh, a new little trick in our repertoire. <laughs> right, I mean the long throw in from Charlie right to Brandon's feet. Well, I mean, yeah, it, it does. <laughs> A long throw basically is like a set piece. And if you can calculate it correctly, it does work. But I think the for both of these opportunities, I think they were they, they came from McGarity turning something into a, an opportunity. Yeah. And and that's something that we just didn't have last year. Yep. Uh, a couple minutes later, Brandon still looking quite studly fends off three <laughs> three defenders as he, in shirt <laughs> yep as he rips through the back line fending off three defenders uh keeping possession and forcing the keeper into making what was an amazing save with his face <laughs> uh, definitely should have been 2-1 going into the half it's something that brandon mentioned after the game that that's the uh you know he should have had a hat trick the, the keeper keeper came up big on that one um but all of a sudden halftime it's one to one so that play in particular is one very close to my heart, Nate, it, it, as it, it came from a 30-yard ball over the top that was inch-perfect from Mark Haight um, after a great run by McGarity. And and the and not just the fact that it was a, a nice dime ball that he, he played in, but it was a type of effort from the run that McGarity made, kind of lulling the defenders to sleep like he wasn't going to be going after it, and then splitting the center backs um, to, to get into that space. And it's the willingness to try that that we just didn't have up top last year. You know, we, we didn't have the guy who was constantly trying to push the back line, whether it was with the ball or without the ball. And this was a off-the-ball run that caught all of them by surprise. And like you said, really should have been 2-1 to one going into the half. 
Yeah, so Brandon wasn't the only benefactor of those long balls uh, in the first half. Uh, last week you talked about Whitney being 100% this year and just ready to ball. And we saw that Saturday as the offense pretty much flowed through him, like I said, whether it was off of those long balls from the back line or even one-on-one. So early on he was getting service from the Maxes, from AO, from, from Mark, as he found that space behind the advanced wing back and ran would run right around those center backs. And um, and later in the half, he was doing it alone. He's ripping off tasty stepovers that forced the keeper to dive low into the left, barely getting a finger on it. Like, how hungry does Whitney look this season? I think before we talk about his hunger, what I didn't notice, I mean, I knew that he and Martin went to Osseo High School, but there is a plaque outside of the locker rooms that uh, Whitney was on the state championship 4x400 relay team that oh. in, two, in 2003. <laughs> so uh, that's something that uh, I, I didn't know. So but, he's been fast. You know, yeah, so he's always been fast. Um, but as you as you, as you mentioned, you know, I talked about it last week. Whitney really should have probably shut it down in the first part of the season um, last year because he just was not right, and he was just constantly forcing it. But what you're seeing out of Whitney this year is one, he's healthy; two, he's in shape; and and three, he the 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 chances that were created for him are not different than they were last year it's just that last year they were ending up in the parking lot because he was favoring his ankle and he was constantly thinking about it whenever he was trying to shoot where now it's it's narrow misses and it's only going to be a time until he's tucking those home and then the league really needs to watch out because when Whitney's in form as we saw in our open cup game you can't really stop the guy so I just hope that you know as we move into the Dakota game that that uh, he, he makes that next step forward and, and they're in the back of the net yeah i mean we haven't seen one Luis play at all um but of course adam pribble, pribble is super excited for him it sounds like we have uh suddenly on this team a glut of attacking options moving into this season so that's that's pretty exciting um yeah but- we and we still have uh tommy katsianis coming back too yeah He's a, a natural number 10 who can score from the midfield and you know there's also guys on the u23 team that are pushing for for minutes too so you're right i mean our our coffers are stocked full with attacking options. Yes. So the second half uh, started strong with another McGarity goal in the 52nd minute. You know, if they can score seven minutes into the half, so can we, damn it. Uh, we ripped it. He, <laughs> he ripped it from like 20 yards out. Uh, keeper dove to his left. It was just too powerful. Skipped right into the net. If we weren't thinking it in the first half, right about then was when the fans started figuring out that McGarity is the real deal. So that goal was really interesting. I mean, you can go back and look at the highlights, but uh, where the breakdown happened for Med City was the fact that the goalkeeper was actually barking out instructions for his center backs to collapse in because McGarity had turned and he was going towards goal. Um, but if you look at it, as soon as he makes the turn, uh, the goalie is on his far post. And when McGarity looks up and sees on the near post that he really, all he had to do was just put it on target towards that near post. And it was definitely going in. And that's why the shot didn't look like a laser or anything like that. It was kind of a dribbler. It bounced yeah. a few times before it went in, but the goalie just didn't have enough time to recover. And then by the time he got there, I think he thought it was going wide. And then it just, it just went in the back of the net. That's what it looked like is he kind of gave up on it and nope. In it went. <laughs> right. Well, we talked about our strikers last season when we, we recapped at the end of the summer. And, and what we lacked was that guy who really has that nose for scoring a goal. And, you know, with Connor last season, we had that the kind of big guy who could be a target, who had the mobility to make the runs. We had Miles, who was the guy who could kind of beat you off the dribble. And then we had Timmy doing Timmy things where he's more about 
finding the pockets of space and, and being the right place at the right time. But with Brandon, I mean, we, we really do have something special because he can really create something out of nothing, and, and it showed. Yeah. But uh, unlike Andrew Garfield in Hacksaw Ridge, <laughs> these medics were not pacifists, John, and they struck back quickly with a headed shot from, from the big Greek, Nick Etopoulos, that had just enough height uh, to clear James's uh, outstretched hands. Uh, it just just popped it right over the top of him, which is which is kind of a rarity for a big guy like James. Um, but not content with another draw, we kept that pedal down. So at 63 minutes, right after receiving a yellow, Whitney responded, sped down the field, beat three guys, and he pulled a shot across the face of the goal just right. Um, yeah, just to I, the right. I thought that was going in. I mean, I really did. Oh, that looked really nice. And it's just, uh, again, another example from the game that even late into the game, the guy's got gas, and he can just he can just beat he especially with you know when you're only beating center backs basically by the time you get get to that level of the field um, he was able to to really just scorch them. But that pressure down the wings paid off soon. Uh, we caught a medic whether he was out of position or just too slow to react, and a cross like hit him right in the hands. And right. so that's of course a PK, and Martin puts it away. I was a little surprised at. <laughs> <laughs> and how simple Martin's penalty shot was. It was basically like on the ground right down the middle. <laughs> but somehow it went in. Somehow the guy didn't get get go even in the right right direction. So that's good. So uh, go ahead. You know with with, with that, you know, on, on the penalty, part of me wishes you, you kind of give McGarity the chance of the hat trick, right? Yeah. But Knowing him, he was so amped up at halftime when I, I went over to just I, I, I you know I talked to you in the booth real quick and then I, I quickly ran down and and wanted to just say hi to the guys and and kind of get them going for the the second half and mm-hmm. and he was just like chomping at the bit to get back on the field so I think he was maybe a little too amped up but it would have been great to see him get a hat trick in his first game with us absolutely uh, of course this is what the point in the game when city fans get nervous. Talk to me, John, about the team's ability to not only kill the game this time, but to stay dangerous throughout the final 20 minutes. I think uh, it's a couple things. I think the first thing was is that um, I really do like the way Med City plays. And I think that out of a lot of the other teams in our conference, they, they play uh, a style of soccer more similar to us, where it's it's not always straightforward. They, they look to find you know the, the dangerous spots on the field and, and then attack um, you know, as those present themselves. But what they were doing in this game was everything was coming down the left side of the of the field. So simple adjustments at halftime to to be aware of that and to and to shift the team over uh, was something that our center backs that did really well. And then all the attack that came, um, you know, from them in the dying minutes was then having to be forced through the middle, and we were gumming that up as well. So I think that. It was very, very much so a a case of they just kept going back to the well what, what worked in the first half, and then they didn't adjust out of it. And then for us, we were still able to kind of defend as a unit and then quickly attack as a unit. And that's why you didn't see a lot of uh, one-on-one breakaways when we would break the lines when they were mm-hmm. when they were pressing for that goal. We saw two and three and four. Uh, Minneapolis City players in advanced positions and, and trying to push for that that nail in the coffin. So I think I think at, we, we weathered the storm, but we also did it our way, which is something we've worked on in practice. Which is it was great to see it kind of translate over. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think the other the other thing to think about too was that um, you know the the adjustments that 
that Coach Pripple made were were spot on. You know, you you know, you, you hate to see a guy like Mark Landhart on the turf, and then you have to move Ao out there. But you saw the inclusion of a guy like Trey, who w- maybe would have been in the starting lineup, but he had some some kind of some conflicts getting to the game, so you, you can't you know insert him into the starting lineup. But but being having the luxury to bring a, a guy like that in to kill out a game is something that other teams don't have. Yeah. And I think that cu- coupled with bringing in Tim Wills to just do Tim Wills you know lunch pail type things and just. Chase guys down, win tackles, pass the ball, hold up play. Well, not only that, but that he's he's he was putting pressure on their back line when they're just trying to start the play, the build up a play. Like he's back right. there, he's back there stealing the ball from center from the center back and and you know finding some space for himself and looking dangerous with five minutes of the game left. It was it was amazing. Right, right. and then having the ability to to bring in a guy like Will Kidd who's just got. Uh, like Labrador retriever type energy um, in the middle of the field in the second half to, to replace Wexler. um, This is a different thing that they weren't prepared for. And then removing Martin and bringing in um, U23 call up Matt Murakami. He's more of a defensive center midfielder to, to kind of play alongside of Max Stiegward, who we we haven't mentioned yet, who I thought had maybe the best game out of all of our players outside of Brandon. Yeah. Um, And and maybe James, Um, you know, to to sit him next to to Max was it just kills the game. And and we weathered all of their opportunities that they had. And, you know, there were a couple dicey moments there at the end. I I feel like they had too many corner kicks and that's something we need to work on. But uh, outside of that, it was it was good. Crows win. We rule uh, three points and we are sitting joint at the top of the table, which feels good. You know, second on goal differential, but what do you what do you do when Sioux Falls gets uh, Aris right after uh, right after us? Uh, right, right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, John, we each of us got a chance to talk to a couple players uh, right after the game, and then you caught up with a couple at practice. Uh, first, of course, is Brandon McGarity. Let's hear what he had to say about the game. All right, so I am here with Brandon McGarity. Uh, Brandon, a brace in your home debut. Obviously, something that's got to be uh, got to be good. You power through defenders, force a couple in. Uh, what's it like to score to score your first two goals in front of the home crowd? It's it's fun feeling. I mean, we just came out here trying to win the game. Um, probably should have had a third one. It was an easy chance. Um, but no, it's fun. Yeah. Okay. He did make a pretty good save. Well, yeah, no, it's a good <laughs> save. Yeah. Uh, so how did you deal with the three-man back line? That's kind of something that we've been talking about. Is their formation's a little different this year? They're running more of like a three-five-two. Um, yeah. What did that? What kind of what kind of challenges did that pose for you? I mean, they sort of played it funny. They played the three in the back and kept it pretty high, so we got behind them a lot. Um, and we're good. I mean, I could check back to the ball and receive it and pull out a center back. And um, I mean, I think I, I like playing against the three in the back. Just nope, one less defender. Yeah. Nice, nice. So uh, we responded to last week. You know, obviously not the. Not the game that we wanted away at Sioux Falls. It's sort yeah, of a weaker yeah. team. Um, what was what was the talk in the locker room like this week? What kind of what were you guys talking about in training to kind of get up for a much more challenging team in Med City? Yeah, I mean, I think the big message was playing with grit and then sort of uh, taking pride in the way we play and awesome. yeah, really try to come out here, come out here early. It's too bad that we let up a goal right away because that was one of the goals is to come out, um, come out strong. But yeah, that was a big message: is play hard, and we knew we could. We know we knew we're a better team than them. We can win this game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So lots of new players uh, on the on the pitch for us this year, and especially this game. More to come, of course, as people come back from school and get fit. Uh, how are you guys seeing everything coming together? How are you seeing the team coming together? 
I think it's great to be to be playing games. It's sort of uh, that's sort of what brings us all together is this common goal that we have. Um, so it was great to be training in the in the winter and the early spring. But um, now the fact that we're playing again, we're we're coming together as a team. And um, I, I can't speak to like the players last year because I, I don't know too much about um, who was around. Um, but it seems like we got a, a lot of great guys and happy to see what's going forward. All right, man. Well, we're excited, of course, to see what you can do. Two goals in your first uh, first home game. Let's hope to get a couple more maybe Wednesday, a couple more Saturday. Yeah. Just keep this train running, huh? Sounds good to me. All right, thanks a lot. Cool, thank you. Thanks, dude. It sounded like, John, that Brandon was quite excited to play against that that back line of Med City. Uh, three center backs, he said he could go against that kind of a line all day. Uh, do you feel like it was <laughs> some, early this early in the season, do you think Med City could have predicted that they would have gotten shredded by a guy so like Brandon or were they uh were they remiss to not plan for it well you know the interesting thing is is that if you look at where the majority of our chances came from they came from out wide and if you see Whitney and Goose lining up um you know in the 18 that gets sent through the league to each each team beforehand yeah you don't you don't necessarily think a guy like Brandon is going to be the one who's going to do all the damage. You you think that it's going to come from the wings because that's what it came from last year. Yeah. So uh, I don't think that they had a they they well they didn't know who he was because no one in the league until after this week knows who he, knew who he was. But you know I, I think that the adjustment out of that back three is something that has to happen and uh, and a, a coach needs to recognize that that. If it's not working, and that that's where the other team's attacking from, pretty much all day, um, you know, wide out because you have three slow center backs, and then you have a guy in the middle who's doing all the damage on you know, uh, uh, you know, picking up the pieces. You you have to go to a back four because you can't jeopardize uh, uh, road points if if you can if you can help it. And right. I I just think that they, they they should have adjusted out of that way earlier than than they well they never did, but they, they should have. Yeah, and I think, again, I'm wondering if part of it was, well, this is the system that they've chosen for the season, so let's play it out play and see, it. Yeah, play out see, it. see how it works and make adjustments. You know, it's early enough that they can, if they do drop points, which they did, they can make them up. But uh, like you said, it's an easy in-game fix that you could just take the learnings that you had and move on and try it again mm-hmm. next week. They just didn't do it. Uh, yeah. Next up, you talked to Max at training, and so let's take a listen to that. All right, I'm here at training with Max Stegward. First of all, it's great to have you back, Max, uh, in the team this season. Would you say, uh, with you coming into the team earlier and without other commitments like you had the, kind of the first go-around with us to kind of take you away, uh, did that make it easier to make an immediate impact? Yeah, you know, meeting a couple guys at first was never really an easy thing to do, but I think with the culture we, we have here and the training environments we set and the standards we set for ourselves, you know, it makes it that much easier, you know. We we all work together, and you know, from the very, I only trained two sessions before playing a full game, and I already felt like those guys are my brothers. So you know, it's very easy to adjust and very easy to jump in right away. It's a great time. So you were able to drop a couple uh, kind of inch perfect long balls uh, in for Whitney as he was making those kind of diagonal, uh, those diagonal runs. Was was taking advantage of that space something that the coaches worked on with you guys uh, beforehand, or was it something that kind of recognized in game? Yeah, you know, it's a little bit of both. Um, having Whitney, who's a very fast-paced player, you know, it makes it that much easier. You know, you, you know, he's out wide, and you know, he, he can dribble guys, and he has a very good touch. So, hitting hitting, hitting our wings like him or Goose or, or Will Kidd, whoever's out there, you know, it's it's kind of something we like to do. You know, if if the opportunity's on, but also you kind of have to read the game if if the line's high enough. So, 
think it just depends on the situation of the game. So a lot of times that, that space existed because what we saw kind of early was that Med City was kind of throwing their wingers upfield um, and looking for that, that dangerous cross. Um, what were you doing to help kind of gum up the middle to stop that buildup um, for those kind of central connection runs that like that striker Rapido was having? Yeah, you know, as, as the game got going, we noticed that they like to work it with their with their two sixes, and I think once once the game got going, and me and uh, Win, or me Martin and uh, Wexler, we noticed that if we we're a little more compact and forced it out wide, we knew we could take advantage of that space and, and take them to one side, and you know that's three pressure right there, and that's I think we got our our chances to win the ball back better over there. So you're not the biggest dude on the team, <laughs> but getting up and kind of challenging for those balls in the air was a huge part of your skill set on Saturday. Are you looking forward to kind of contributing to that more physical aspect of play, seeing that our, our conference is very physical? Yeah, you know, man, it's, it's, a, it's something, you know, I've worked on in my game, and maybe I'm not the biggest guy, but I've, I've always been told, you know, it's, it's the heart of the dog more than the size. So, <laughs> you know, it's just, I think it's a confidence booster, challenging, winning a ball, you know, it, it gets you going, and it just makes it easier for the next one. I think it's just more of a mindset going in. All right. Well, so you were gone last year playing in Florida. How good does it feel to be home? It feels so good, man, to have the home fans, your family, and all, all your friends watching it. It's a great time. All right. Awesome. So I think the first thing that I want to talk about with, you know, what Max had to say is the dude loves being home. And I think that his <laughs> his situation where, uh, with playing in the PDL last year and, in, in, you know, closer to school down in, in Central Florida, it was just hot as shit. You know, who wants to be in Central Florida <laughs> in the summer? And, you know, he mentioned before when I talked to him that, um, you know, there weren't any fans that came out to the games. There was no atmosphere. And, you know, he was he was away from his family. And I think him him being back with us, you can already tell, even in training sessions, like the guy just is buzzing. He's always the, the, the last guy in. You know, he's taking extra free kicks. And he's, you know, he's, he's, wor- he's working on shooting and, and, and just knocking a ball around while other guys are – are already gone or are, are getting their, their gear off. So it, it's just good to see that. And I think that that coupled with that is <clears throat> he mentioned too, you know, only having two training sessions and already feeling part of the brotherhood. He, he has a familiarity with players from his first year with us, you know, and there, there's certain guys, you know, like, like Martin and, and Whitney that are, are newer to, <coughs> to him. However, you know, you have the guys that are around him, like, like Wexler and, you know, you have, you have Trey and you have, you have Steve who's back now. And these guys have played together for a long time. And that's kind of the important piece about having guys from Minnesota playing together is yeah. that they, they, grew, they grew up playing with each other and uh, it, it does show. And, and we can quickly get guys up to speed where teams like Med City at times, you know, saw some guys making passes behind players because they weren't anticipating the runs they were making. So I think we have, we have an advantage there. And then lastly, you know, like Max said, he plays bigger than he is uh, because of his his the way he breaks down the game in his mind and his positioning. It, it, it's just that you, you layer on a little bit of grit to that, and, and his challenges are always on point. And, and his ability to win the ball in the air, um, you know, he gets into spots where bigger players might be able to jump him, but he's there first. So yeah. I think that I, I'm just really excited that Max is back, to be completely honest with you. I, you know, I, I am too. I hadn't really, I don't remember a lot about his game when he was with us uh, our first season. He only played in a couple games anyway, but uh, I think this season, you know, he's he's bigger, he's stronger, he's he's more into it, he's, he's on fire, and I'm really excited to see what he can do for us. Yeah, you can tell that he played more in college than he did when he was at Louisville. Because yep. he's he's just he's just a better soccer player, which he was good when he first came to us, and now, now he's even better. Yeah. 
And then finally, uh, you got a chance to talk to Big Game James, who always <laughs> yeah. always has something great to say. Uh, or something not great to say, but yeah. something to say in general. <laughs> That's true. All right, so I'm here with Big Game James at the training session following our game on Saturday. James, you made your first official league start with City. How did it feel? It felt amazing, man. It's the second time I've been able to play in the MPSL at this level, and it was a heck of a game to get the results at home in front of our fans. So what were you seeing? Um, you know, we, we went down with an early goal. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we, we fought back to, to, to kind of tie it up. But mm-hmm. what were you seeing from them early on, especially having kind of a, a strike force up top where most teams we play usually kind of have a lone striker? Yeah, I mean, I think it was 12 and 30. Those two guys, they, they have to be from Spain or Colombia. They were talking Spanish, and they were flying <laughs> at us. And they were a little bit intimidating. I think we just started a little bit flat, and I think that's something we need to work on as a squad is just – we're mentally prepared, but we just don't really compete as well the first 90 mi- or 10, 15 minutes. And so when they went up one, we readjusted, and then we started playing our game, and I think the game went our way after that. All right, awesome. So as far as, um, you know, you've, you've been around Stegman's for a while. Yeah. You've, you've been you kind of in and out of with City. Kind of what are the differences you're seeing from this season to seasons past? Well, first off, there's a ton more dudes here. It's awesome being able to have the U23s and a lot of the guys coming back for the NPSL team from seasons previous. We've gotten to know each other a lot over the past uh, two, three years, and I think that the guys that have stuck around are really finally uh, kind of gelling together and forming a brotherhood, as Wexler would put it. So you've been dubbed the Petr Cech of the North. Is it going to stick, or is it something uh, that we're going to have to look for another nickname? Yeah, well, I think it can stick because if my mom keeps coming to games, i got to keep wearing that helmet, so she, she's not too scared when I'm out there bashing skulls. All right, awesome. Thanks a lot, James. No problem. Thanks, guys. So, like we noted, always catching up with James is, uh, is a good thing because, like we said, he always has something to say. But so I have to preface that that James is actually leaving at the end of the summer to he's going to optometry school in Chicago. So this is probably his last chance to contribute at, at the MPSL level before he kind of moves on in life. And we may get the opportunity to see James again in the future, but for the for the the short term, this this is really his his last chance. And, and when I talked to him in the beginning of the of the uh, the season in the winter session we were kind of shaping the roster you know i basically talked to him about like if you're gonna if you're gonna come in it's your last shot man just like make it count and 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 really like do all the things that you need to do to 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 win a spot and and to play and he's fit he's in shape and and he really wants it this year and he put the work in to earn that starting spot and and we've seen it he made a a couple of fantastic saves um in in our game against med city and and the 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 thing that that he you know offers us is the is the big shot stopper the guy who can come out and and win a ball in the air and, and you know maybe punch punch something out that a shorter goalkeeper might not be able to get to so uh, it's it's really great to have him in and obviously love the helmet you know the Petr Cech of the North I think that, <laughs> the that was Cech great the North yeah <laughs> that was a great comment someone had on Twitter about him uh, wearing his helmet you know uh, obviously he has to wear it because me? of things. Oh, was that you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, I mean, obviously he has to wear the helmet because of something that not so funny and hilarious happened to him. So uh, that that part sucks, but it, it's good to at least have another nickname for him, right? Mm-hmm. All right, John. So hit me up. Player of the game not named Brandon McGarity. I think Max Stewart. I think his... His passing, his organization, um, not only uh, personal organization of where he was on the field, but also organizing the guys around him was, was super uh, – it, it was next level. And it's something that, that we, you know, we expect from a guy like that who 
who has the pedigree that he, that he has, but, um, you know, coming off an ankle injury, hurting himself in our, our tune-up against Luther and not being able to go to Sioux Falls, um, it, it sucked. And, and you can see that, that how valuable he is. And just think about the, the, the control we can have if you, if you, if you partner him with a guy like Steve in the center midfield. Yeah. Like, well, Hey, you know what? Don't talk about how valuable, don't, don't let anyone believe he's too valuable or Duluth <laughs> is going to like rupture his spleen or some shit. Yeah, like they did it with Samo. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but but you know what I mean. Like I, I just feel like his the game he the, the game that he played and the ship that he put in against Mid City was was definitely uh, on top of the list for right behind a guy who scored two goals in his debut. I agree. Very impressed with Max. Uh, so I don't pick the same player as you. I will say Whitney Brown. I think Whitney yeah. did a, did an yeah, amazing job. Um, like you said, uh, he is one hundred percent. He is attacking 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 he is who he was when we first signed him back at the u.s open cup run of 2016 and uh just he's looking dangerous every time he touches the ball and i love it yeah he's a very close second to max i I would say because he made he made a lot of space for brandon as they as they had to watch him every time he was advanced all of a sudden brandon is uh sneaking behind and splitting him so that was great yep I, I, I agree with your pick, Nate. All in all, I thought this was a gritty performance against a, a team that everyone has slotted as a top three contender this year. And it was a great momentum builder to take us into Wednesday's game against the Twin Sharks. But funny enough, <laughs> that game did not happen. Indeed, Nate, it did not happen. And I was super bummed, man. I, I went to training on Monday and Tuesday this week. Um, and I dropped off some training gear to the, the college guys that are coming back and Everybody was buzzing on the MPSL team, and and, and as well as the um, as the U23s, because they saw, the, you know, quite a few of them came to the game, and, and they saw the atmosphere, and they saw what what is attainable if they put the work in. So everybody was getting ready, and I was like, awesome, like everyone's ready to go. And then you know the trombone want want played. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's there's not a whole lot of news that we really can provide on the topic, but we can break down what we know did happen. So regardless of what transpired, which we'll get in we'll, we'll get into uh, you know in, in a bit here, but there, there's a, a couple rules uh, that are, are in place by the league, and one in particular is Rule 1.14 under the cancellation status. So it has it has two. Um, has two makeups to the rule. Um, the first is that no game may be canceled prior to the scheduled date unless both teams have agreed on the rescheduled on a rescheduled playing date, and the regional commissioner has authorized the change. And the second is, if a stadium is closed, and then in parentheses, due to acts of God, the league must receive notice in writing, in a statement of closure. From the facility owner immediately after the closure. So, John, real quick, let me let me make sure that I'm I'm reading this right or hearing you right. That okay. in order for a game to be canceled, uh, both teams must agree on a before before this game can be canceled. Both teams have to agree on a rescheduled date, and the commissioner has to authorize the change. Right. So correct. So that's that's I think the key is. That both teams would have need to, needed to first of all would have needed to be communicated to us. Second of all, we would have needed to agree on a better date, and then the NPSL official in our area would have had to be notified. Correct. Okay. And gotcha. Then, yeah, I think that's important to keep in mind for people. 
Do you have any questions about the second part of the rule? No, nope, that makes sense. I mean, the league has to... The, the, the stadium must provide the league notice in writing um, saying that they there's something going on there. If it's like... If there really are, t- quote, uh, technical difficulties, which we'll get to in a second, the stadium <laughs> would have to provide proof of that. Right, correct. Okay, so here's why those are important. You touched on it a little bit, but... The first word of the game being adjusted was over the PA at the Twin Stars game while we were currently playing Med City in the second half. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was announced was being... on the Twitter feed of the uh, of the uh, NPSL uh, representative or the NPSL um, journalist that's a, that was assigned to that Twin Stars game. Right. So the the first news of, of, of things that were happening, uh, first news to us and to the world, was that uh, the game was being moved to Prairie Seeds Academy because of, of technical difficulties with Minnetonka High School. Mm-hmm. So as as we know, r- league rules dictate that both teams were supposed to agree upon the change before uh, in the schedule, including venue adjustments. So even if we were to move, we had not heard about it, and that did not happen. So uh, and and also we're in the middle of a match. So to, to tell people uh, at, at your own game that things are moving and not telling us first is a little bit odd. Um, the second notice was on Twitter when the team sent out a tweet that read, due to technical difficulties, the Wednesday, May 16th NPSL game with Minneapolis City not even tagging us in it um, with our hashtag or our Twitter handle has to be rescheduled to a later date. Again, they did not communicate this to us officially, and would have uh, and would have and I would have to assume that they hadn't really said anything to the league three days before the game. So fi- the final thing here is our front offices were contacted three days later, or yeah. sorry, two days later, um, Monday. Monday that that contact was made, um, and we did everything that we could to keep the game on the books. And that included offering to switch our home and away legs so we could play at Osseo on Wednesday, and then we'd play at wherever they schedule on the, later on in the season, as well as us doing the due diligence to find six venues that were available and MPSL approved in the Twin Cities the Twin Stars could have rented. Those options were turned down by the Twin Stars without reason. Yeah, and you know, so... <sighs> It's it's annoying only because if this were any other team, John, I think if this was VSLT, I would say, God, these guys just don't have their shit together. Like, I went to the VSLT game the other night, and there were like twelve people there, and they didn't even do the starting announcements for their rosters. Like, it's just a team in kind of chaos, but they won because that's via that's how what VSLT does, right? Um, but the Twin Stars, man, in the past have been. A little too shady for me to give the benefit of the doubt to. I think we know that um, the NPSL Northerner reported last year that he he had talked to Twin Stars players. Twin Stars players had told him that they were allowed to play against Minneapolis City, or there were there were teammates of theirs that were allowed to play against Minneapolis City that were not allowed to play against other other teams due to not having. Um, you know, paid completed their, their financial obligations or done done whatever they had to, you know, paid their fees, done whatever they had to do. Um, so they were they were basically benched until they could pay those fees until Minneapolis City came around. And then it was anything goes to beat Minneapolis City. I don't know why. I don't know why us and not Sioux Falls. I don't know why you travel to Sioux Falls with nine men knowing you're going to lose. 
um, seems kind of like a waste of everyone's time. Right. <laughs> when you could have just broken the rules for everyone. Fuck it, right? But anyway, yeah. so they're, they, have a, they have a history of being shady, especially against Minneapolis, when it, when it comes to Minneapolis City. The other thing that kind of makes me mad, and why I'm raising my eyebrows here, and hoping that justice prevails, John, is that Minneapolis City has been disadvantaged by the letter of the law twice in our history, twice in two years. The first, of course, is when we made the switch from the PLA to the NPSL, and because of that, we were disqualified, even though it was the same level of the pyramid. Because of that, we were disqualified from the U.S. Open Cup, um, leading to, of course, our hashtag undefeated campaign. Um, the second time, of course, is when we went to Rochester and we were provided completely inadequate facilities uh, to to warm up, to change, uh, to get ready, to in, to relax at halftime, whatever. Um, but the letter of the law in the U.S. Open Cup rules stated that really all you need is a goddamn field with four oh, flag with right. four flags and a goal, right? Like you need a you need a field of proper dimension with four flags and a goal and and some referees, and you can play a U.S. Open Cup qualifying game. So that well, and not not to even mention Nate the fact that. They were they considered Rochester, New York, in the Midwest region. Yeah, part of a region, right? <laughs> right, and we were, and we had to go on the road potentially three times to qualify. So that's twice we've been disadvantaged by the rules. Um, and I just need to believe that what goes around comes around. That the rules mean something, especially in United States soccer. And while especially league play, right? Like, yeah, it's, over it's and like, over and over yeah. again, I feel like I'm proved incorrect in the world. The, the the rules will have to mean something in league play, and I I have full faith in the NPSL to make the correct decision and award Minneapolis City three points via forfeit. You, you would hope that that would be that would be the um the the, the preferred route that will go here. Yeah. Um, but so at the end of the day, I, I really don't know what's going on over there, and I'm just really aggravated that if there is something shitty happening under the table. It's just poor play from one of the original clubs in, in this league. Mm-hmm. And and it's not why we're in this whole thing. We're, we're in it for the game, and the shenanigans aren't really cool to me. Yeah. Um, you know, especially because we, we tried to help the game still happen. And yeah. I, that, that's probably where, yeah. where it gets me most. Because I know scheduling a field sucks, but, you know, it is what it is. So I will say, though, if this truly was a scheduling conflict and there was a reason to turn away our efforts of finding another location, I will totally take back what I said and give a half a benefit of the doubt back to Twin <laughs> Stars because um, they still did not follow the rules of the league, which which we are all tasked with knowing as organizations yeah. on contacting us ahead of time and being civil about it where we would have been like, oh, yeah, we'll look at rescheduling it. We totally get it. Fields suck. You know? They just didn't follow that, so it's like what I, I don't I don't have a positive to take out of this. Yeah, it's only it's only negative speculations. Well, you know, so what? I'll... real real quick, John, I think you know you know what I've said it to you, and I think I, I tweeted this this out on 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 some level or another. But like, what really bums me out is that there is enough goodwill in the soccer community around here to go around. That if you if if they really wanted. Supporters to support them if they want people to be fans, if they want to have a successful program, it doesn't mean necessarily victories. You know, it can mean it can mean like find your niche. Our niche is our niche is locally grown players 
uh, only from Minnesota, and and we're building this like path to pro kind of thing, and whether or not that works out is is still you know still to be seen, but it seems to be working pretty well. Twin Stars, they've got they've got a narrative baked in, man. Like you've got a youth academy, You're, a successful one. It's right. You've got kids that are playing from what oh. 08 out there, 09 probably, all the way up to probably 03s are playing and and competing at a pretty high level in the in the youth uh in the in the youth auspices around town. All I'm saying is like, look, if if your identity can be we are the youth academy that gives kids an opportunity to play a high level soccer when they grow up, that's awesome. Isn't that a great thing to support, especially if you live in the western suburbs? And and wouldn't if you wouldn't if you were behind that mission say like, "Well, oh, you know what? It's okay if once they get up there, the team isn't the best." Right? So why go through all this why do all this shady shit to try to make your team look like the best to compete at this level when it's proven you can't anyway? It's all for naught. It's it 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 blows my mind. Like there is plenty of support for local soccer out there to just be who you are, and people will and people will be happy with it. That's all I have to say. Closed circuit to Twin Stars. So I'll close the loop on this this last note while doing <laughs> research on our next topic. I found on the league's Wikipedia page, so the NPSL page, yeah. that the Twin Stars home field is called Twin Star Stadium. So. <laughs> I wonder where that is. Where, <laughs> where is Twin Star Stadium? <laughs> I, 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 you know, we we did our show rundown, and I saw that when I was going through the next, that's awesome. the next segment, and I was like, it's only fitting that that that's that's a thing. So, anyways, uh, TBD on the outcome of that one. Yeah. So, all right. <clears throat> Enough about what didn't happen. Let's talk about what is going to happen. We welcome into our house the mega bus that is Dakota Fusion <laughs> this Saturday at 7 p.m. And for those of you who don't know, they literally have their own mega bus with like decals and shit. and decals <laughs> and shit. It's it's a mega bus. It is. It's it, it's not the mega bus that you know around here that goes to Milwaukee and back. Um, it's it's literally a figurative negative plus. Okay, but dude, that's you got to admit. If you lived way up in Fargo, where you're going to play soccer in Fargo, that has to be part of the the deal. Like, we're going to be driving minimum three hours to every game we play. Right. <laughs> every away game, like we're going to do it in style. Yeah, we're not taking vans. We're taking no. a mega bus. Um, so, a quick recap of the fusion. Last season, we split with uh, we split wins with the fusion. Each team winning on the road, and in fourteen matches, they had nine wins five losses and zero draws with a goal diff of plus 10 and then ending with 27 points, which is two ahead of uh, Minneapolis city for the for second place and the last playoff spot. Um, speaking on that, all we needed to do was win all, all or speaking about the twin stars. All they needed to do was win against fusion on the last day of the season to help us. And they could not cobble together a quality side to make that happen. And we saw the Fusion sneak into the playoffs ahead of us, um, showing how crucial that last-minute draw, our only draw of the season, uh, in our home opener against Duluth really was. So those points came back to bite us in the ass, Nate, um, yeah. from a point perspective, and in, a, in a tight title race. Um, and then after their season um, making the playoffs, they, they flamed out miserably on the road versus Detroit by a score of 5-1. to one. Who did end up winning the NPSL League last year? Uh, 
If a tree falls in the forest, you're not there to hear it, Nate. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, just the Pope shit in the woods. <laughs> if a tree falls on the Pope, and then let's move on. Yeah. So, <laughs> so far this season, they've uh, they've. Uh, they faced Duluth in the U.S. Open Cup in a game that saw little to no defense ending uh, in overtime at uh, 4-4 uh, with them missing all of their penalty kicks. And I'm talking, like, not like, even fucking like close fe- to They the were goal. kicking field goals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, tired legs. So, that was their first game of the year. And then, so far in league play, they have one point on a draw with VSLT where the game ended 2-2. So... A quick refresher on on them as far as on the field. They play a long ball style that clears the lines in an attempt to find their talisman, Jay Johnson, who was the 2016-2017 MPSL Golden Ball winner, and that's the league player of the year. That's crazy. Um, he, he's a goal-scoring machine with an IT job uh, during the day um, and saw him do most of his damage at home last season. Um, he didn't do a lot of traveling to do mm. his, uh, his day job. Um, but... Uh, we were the only team that he did not score against. Uh, for a quick anecdote. So uh, that's good. In your face. <laughs> yeah, in your face, golden ball winner. Uh, but the other player to note uh, is the return of who I think is one of the division's best players. And that's Isaac Kison. He's a dynamic winger that has phenomenal 1v1 skills and the same kind of knack that Johnson possesses for goal. Um, but he has yet to feature this season on the team. Um, but outside of those two guys, there's a slew of Bill Julesy brothers on the roster. Yes. And there's like eight of them. I don't know. Um, and then a bunch of guys that I don't remember or they're, they're new. Yeah. Uh- so we don't really know yet if Jade Johnson is going to be traveling this year. It feels like, of course, he traveled for to Duluth, but that was for the U.S. Open Cup. Um, well, and it's a Saturday game, so you'd yep. think so he's he might. Travel. Did we play? Did we play, play Dakota on a Wednesday last year? Here we did. Yeah. We oh, did. so there you go. Yeah. Um, so you never know. He is dangerous, but like even when we played him up in Fargo, we. We were able to contain him. So hopefully we can have that same kind of luck this time around. Isaac Keeson, on the other hand, is... He's good. Good. He is fast as hell. He is super dangerous on the wing. I would say similar to how Whitney and Goose or Whitney and Will would be able to make space for Brandon McGarity, uh, Isaac Keeson can make space for Jade and vice versa. You can only pay attention to one of them at a time. Uh, if if you can only pay attention to one of them at a time, you are in trouble. Yes, you definitely are. So, so John, what what does City need to do to be successful on a Saturday on this Saturday um, beyond paying attention to every single attacking Dakota player? Well, this is the point in the show where anyone from Dakota <laughs> needs to turn it off. Click. <laughs> yeah, um, but I think this is why like, we save it till the end. So by the time that they're just like, oh my god, yeah, fifty five minutes into this fucking shit. Yeah, he's too blowhards. <laughs> Um, but to your question, Nate, I think it's really quite simple. We need to come out of the gates much faster than we did last week. And we've done that every goddamn game in our entire existence as a club. We just start <laughs> just out sleepy. Slow. I know. We just need to figure it out. And and it could be a case of us adjusting our warm-up to build an intensity before the match so that we're, we are game ready. But it does have a lot to do with getting some guys back from school this past week and some guys back from injury as well. So, so like, adjusting the warm-up to build an intensity, like, the last thing you do is just start punching each other. Yeah, and playing, and playing long ball. Just slappies <laughs> and long ball. 
<laughs> uh, but you know, we'll we'll see the the return of uh, of Ian Smith. He goes by Steve. He's back in. I've heard uh, we'll, of him. We'll also see the return of AJ Albers from from injury. So getting some bolstering in the center of the field that we didn't have, um, you know, in our last game. Um, <clears throat> but our style of play needs to be elevated at at, uh, at a level, which is what we saw in our Saturday game after we were scored on. We need to really attempt to pin back the high line so that we can possess in the Fusion's final third instead of our final third. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, we have to capitalize on our chances. We, we're, we're, this year, we are seeing more chances created, which is awesome. But the next step is for us to bury them in the back of the net. And the last thing is, what can McGarity do coming off of being named to the MPSL Team of the Week uh, on the back of his two-goal debut? Can he do it again, or is he going to be more of a marked man out there now that people know about him? Yeah. So, John, I've got a couple quick things to talk about. First is, uh, they they drew against VSLT 2-2. Two to two. I saw this very same VSLT team on Wednesday night, and uh, they ba- they barely beat Sioux Falls one to nothing on a free kick goal. Uh, I just this VSL team T team does not look that dangerous offensively. So I have to assume that based on the six goals that I've seen scored on them so far this year, I'm talking about Dakota. Their defense is looking ragged. We yeah. should be able to we should be able to shred these guys uh, offensively, hopefully, and absorb a couple goals if we have to. Um, but I think that uh, you know my second point is we've we have the benefit of quite a bit of tape on these guys, not only from last year but from the U.S. Open Cup and from the style of play that they've brought to the brought to the table this year. So I. Th- I would hope that the team would be ready, and I would hope that the team will be able to, if it gets into a shooting match, outscore these guys because their defense is looking bad. They're ready, Nate. I can tell you that. Our team. We are ready. We are ready. Nice. So that is all for this week's show. Uh, Thank you, as always, to our sponsor, Summit Brewing. There is a new friend in the Summit fleet, folks, and that is the citrusy, zesty Skip Rock. This fresh, fruity white ale is available now on tap in the on tap and in the Boundary Waters Variety Box. It's going to be available soon in its own six and twelve packs. It's never too late to buy a membership for 2018. Uh, for only 20, 65 dollars, you get a cool season. That was close. Twenty bucks. Yep. For, <laughs> yeah, only, for only sixty five dollars, you get a cool season pass to all city matches this summer, including the NPSL and U twenty three games. A classy new membership scarf. Oh man, it looks good. And of course, a vote so that you can have a say in the direction of local soccer. Go on over to mplscitysc.com, our brand new website, and purchase one, or maybe five, right now. If giving back to the community is important to you, then maybe it's time to give to the club that gives back. Minneapolis City is a 501c3, providing a safe, reliable, and fun environment for those less fortunate to play the beautiful game. Look for us this summer playing with kids in parks and community centers all around the city. And of course, consider that tax-deductible donation to a true city-focused organization. Mail! Send it to us. You're actually watching games. You have to have questions about what's going on in the field. It is easy. Hit us up on Twitter at The People's Pitch or through email at mcscpodcast.com at gmail.com. All questions, comments, and concerns are welcome. And finally, as always, hit up the club at MPLSCitySC on Twitter. That is all for this week. 
once again, we're going to leave you with our house MC, Sweden's own Miles Stockman Willis, a.k.a. Malays, with a track called The Come Up. I am Nate. That is John. Thank you for being the people. Come on out this weekend and cheer on your crows. And you get hooked. Poster burning maple weeds, cradle major keys. Thinking back, I've been major since the minor league. So supreme, too much sauce off my olive NMDs. I can staple steez, bend the gold so I get the cheese. Never fall, rake them leaves and make sure every moment gets seized. And everything I see is make believe. Cup a bad bitch, make her wipe off Maybelline. She wanna F with me, maybe get close, data G. Run up data plans, getting A to B like ATT. Hate me when she's coming, it's the perfect time for me to leave. Patience thin is crepe, so I'm craving her creative. Make her breakfast in bed, then have sex instead. One life, live it up. 175 Grey Goose, treat it like a sippy cup. 105 on the dash, watch me giddy up. Only one on the bench, still press the city up. No stress from the press, it ain't news, I'm getting paper. Ask for the check, first time I see the waiter. Make my own luck, knocking over salt shakers. Every September 4th, should've put in more labor. Yes, flex. Get out my lane, we ain't the same. Don't play Red Rover with the train. Lingo rolling off my tongue like a slogan spoken slang. Surely spitting like this token wrote and spoke it in some fangs. I could hang a vampire, highly inspired. Haven't reached this height before, I might get higher. Crew conspires round the campfire, rolling till our hands tired. Rap MacGyver saying sapphire, satire. With the swag, attire you admire. So well put together, no assembly required. Newly hired, still this heat so fire that it gets them fired. Fuck boys thinking that they fresh but expired. Everybody Everybody's flawed, that's just life's law. Wonder what life will be like when the ice stop. I'll die any day, cause I'm down for the cost. Do it bigger than the Big Bang, like my name was Rush. Burning bridges with no guts. Tell her open up her jaws and feed her nothing but bare claws. All about my dough, so she want a nut. Duh, keep my ducks on the row, on the pond like what? Getting flocks at each show, giving out goosebumps. Playing with her heart, claim she playing spades. Whenever we apart, her brain ain't the same. Tickle her pussy as I tickle her ear hair. More boss than Ross, never been to a career fair. Blood, sweat, tears dripping off my upper lip. On some shit, krillin', chillin', grippin' on destructo discs. Go left, go right in life, maybe eat a Twix. Rappin' like a silly rabbit, trippin' in the tricks. On the come up! Yeah, boy, this the come up! Whole squad about to motherfucking come up.